welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and the Dwed Pirate Wobots, Alex Dandino. <laughs> All right, before today's exciting episode, I bet you already know what we're talking about. A little bit of business, people, it's official. We are on Patreon, that's right, patreon.com slash Pod. We have a massive library of Patreon-exclusive episodes over there for you, so if you like the show, tons over of good stuff episodes. over there for you. That's in totality. We don't have 400 Patreon-exclusive episodes, but at the rate we go, I'm sure we soon will, because we like to hurt ourselves with- uh, Can't we just say we do, and you know, we'll get there. I think that's false advertising. We don't want to get sued for threes of dollars. <laughs> We have a Patreon-exclusive library. You get a vote on the movies you want to fill said library. We have some special projects that might be appearing on Patreon later this year. Right now, we have our first miniseries, uh, a, a complete coverage of the Tales from the Crypt series that will culminate in uh, the Tales from the Crypt films, which I'm sure we all love. So it's a great place to be over there. You go over, meet our friends. Again, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. We truly appre- uh, appreciate... Those of you who support the show, thank you. You know you mean the world to us. For those of you who are about to, thank you as well. The YouTube Film Alchemist, the email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on the socials. We're cool. We're hip. We do shit. We slide into DMs. You slide into our DMs. We'll grease the slide for you to go into our DMs. Moving on. I saw Alex's face. Moving on. Uh, Also, leave five-star ratings and reviews wherever you slide pods into your ear, your greased ears. Jesus Christ. Uh, I am a creature of the night, as they say, but we got up early to sprinkle some magic over the podcast landscape today. February. The month, the month of amore. The month of amore. The month of uh, getting it in. The month of long hugs. Month of sliding into those DMs. Yeah, the month of net kisses, wondering if it's going to go up or down, right? Mm-hmm. The month of amore. Quite a question. Yeah. The month of how long have I been married to this lady? You know, that kind of stuff. That's what we're doing this month. So every uh, February, the month of Amour, we pick a theme. This month, the pod tells a love story, right? Pod shares a love story. These are movies about epic remembrances of love, right? A grandiose story talking about how much about one person means to you. So that's what we're doing, right? So up first, probably the greatest film of this genre One of the truly greatest films ever. A film that I've actually liked more as I've gotten older than I did as a child. The Princess Bride. Um, I saw this movie first because like many people my age, right? I was fanatically obsessed with Andre the Giant. Everything about Andre the... I mean, he was... A real life living superhero to my mind. Everything about him was the best. Uh, I remember not being able to watch, but listening to a radio broadcast of some guy describing WrestleMania three, right? Cause my dad could at least find that. I guess we couldn't afford WrestleMania, but we would, he found some guy who's like, just listen to this guy talk about it on the radio. I don't know. It was very strange times back then. I right. seem to have that memory of my grandma's old ass house, listening to Andre get slammed and crying. Um, but I loved Andre, everything about him to this day. I'm still fascinated by Andre. So that's how I came to princess bride. You know, we were at the video store, and uh, my one of my parents, my mom or dad, were like, hey, Andre the Giant's house. I was like, what? Get it now. And as a young kid, it didn't quite sit on me, right? It's funny because the theme of the movie is a grandfather passing on this love 
this fantasy love tale to a grandchild, right? A child who I was viciously mocked as a child saying I looked like Fred Savage. People just used to call me Wonder Years, right? When I was little, I looked exactly like that. I've seen pictures of you as a young lad, and I'd say maybe just the hair. But It was, it was 100% just the hair. But it's yeah. funny, rewatching it today, I was like, my son looks like fucking Fred Savage. Neither here nor there. So this movie was kind of omnipresent, but it was a little too saccharine for me as a boy. But as I got older, the the magic of this film, um, it just imbues me with the will to conquer the day, right? To to go out and say as you wish uh, to the right. people of my life. So, Alex, opening thoughts on this this wonderful magical film? Yeah, I also I can I don't have a very clear recollection of when I first saw this movie. It was definitely when I was young. And it was definitely a movie that my mother wanted me to watch because it's, you know, this is just, this is something my mom, my mom liked this movie. But I do not remember the first time I saw this. It was probably at a collection of children, like a cousin event or something like that. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's timeless. Like, I, I don't yeah. know how else to put it. Like, it really is just, and it's not just because like, oh, like everybody has a love story. It's timeless because... Things in this movie never stop being entertaining. Like, there is nothing about this that has aged poorly. Like, there's nothing, like, because how many times have we watched movies for this show? We're like, boy, was that movie made in the 90s. Like, this movie was made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, maybe the Dread Pirate Roberts uh, winding up that imaginary backhand. That's not great. But I don't like, I don't think it was going to fly, but that was the moment where I was like, oh, damn. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I forgot about that part. Yeah, but like <laughs> everything about this movie from the story itself to the casting of the actors, like everything about it is so wonderful. And yeah. I, again, like I just I don't know anybody who has I don't know anyone who's necessarily superseded in this sort of fan like, the way it's framed, like the grandpa reading the the grandpa reading to the grandson that is a beautiful timeless moment i don't know if anybody else saw that but like um during the pandemic when they did the uh they did like scene by scene anyone like basically a bunch of the bunch of celebrities for charity took scenes and recorded them in their house mm-hmm. the last one was rob uh, reiner that killed his dad me, yeah and carl because that was like two days like it was it got it came out like he two died, days yeah. after carl died Fuck, but man. i was just like oh that one was that well, one hurt and this one, it's still very present, right? Because I think those of us who are parents now, right, we are very aware of the war against the screen, the battle for attention with our children, right? Of how do we pass on things that we think are important or have good meaning uh, when we are competing against obnoxiously loud teenagers on YouTube, Yeah, right? Like, how do it's we compete hard. against the totality of, you know, YouTube children that are speaking directly to them, right? And is that okay? Is it bad? So when, you know, the kid's just like, ah, tell grandpa I'm sick. I don't want to hang out. I want to watch TV all day or play video games, whatever the fuck he was doing. The LecoVision, yeah. Yeah, and grandpa, oh, he's playing that fucking football game. That's right. And grandpa just kind of slides in, right? And he's like, I believe this tale will win you over. Yeah. Um, And that's something I deal with a lot, right? I try to always show the kids the stuff that meant a lot to me as a kid because like we talked about a couple times on the pod last month, we are the first generation that didn't let go of our childish things, right, when we became yeah. adults and men. So it's still very connected and important to us, right? So I'm like, you got to watch Thundercats. And my kids are like, hey. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean, eh? 
And this, you know, but that's because it doesn't have these epic, perfect qualities of this story, right? But right. the transition of the kid, grandpa, is this kissing stuff gross? All right, all right, read one more chapter. You know, watching that evolve and watching the grandpa just kind of play with them, right? Like in this yeah. loving way. Like, I know that you love this story. Um, well, it's some it's, of the sweetest. Grand- and Peter Falk, that last shot of Peter Falk, man. That's you know what's it, interesting? That's, that's I'll the, say this. I know Peter Falk is for everybody Columbo. Like, that is who Peter Falk is in everybody's brain. Peter Falk is the grandpa for me. Like, that was the I mean, first time I ever t- saw I, Peter Falk. Columbo was, like, a background thing to me. Like, we would make jokes Same. about it, right? Like, I yeah, saw, yeah, I made do. more jokes about Columbo than I saw episodes of Columbo, right? I was a Matlock kid and a Murder, She Wrote kid. Right. But, you know, I saw some Columbo. It's fine. I always remember him from this movie. Yeah, this is um, how I remember Peter Falk. He's so fucking charming and perfect. He's he's the quintessential grandpa that we all wished we had. Yeah. Right? It's just, it's lovely. And then as he just leaves that, that as you wish moment, right? As you wish. It's the fucking greatest, right? Maybe you can come back and read it again to me tomorrow, grandpa. I mean, that, that hits you on so many levels, yeah. right? Like, one, not even just in the story, but just in life. Like, man, I wish... My kids wanted me like that, right? I hope I can yeah. do that to my kid. Like, I was reading a kid a, a book to my kid the other night. And I was like, man, I've read this stupid fucking story to him. Yeah. Like, a hundred times. But he loves it. And in my mind, yeah. I was like, man, someday I hope I live long enough. I hope I can slow down my fucking recreational habits long enough to read that to a grandkid. Like, that would be a wildly awesome movie, right? Like, I hope I live long yeah. enough to, like, watch Harold and Maude with a grandkid, right? Like, stuff like that. Yeah. There and is so this there, thing there's right a, now. It's it's awesome. I love. There is this bit. thing right now that my kid like kicks me out of the room when it's bedtime because he wants he wants his mom to read him stories and stuff. Oh, which, that happened to me for years, dude. I'm back hurts. though. I'm back. But though. like th- that's like <laughs> this thing now is I'm like man, I really want and I hear Andrea like reading to him because I just come downstairs and like clean up the mess of toys that he's made for the day, and like I hear Andrea reading the stories and stuff. I'm like, God damn. You're like she's not doing like the voices a... right. <laughs> well, dude, that was the thing. Is like I, st- I read. Um... There, there is this kids book called "Don't do Push the, the Button." Right? It's the dumbest fucking kids one. book. I might have got that for you when you had a kid because I was like, "This will work for you." Trust me. But every page, there's like an interaction. Do this. Don't press the button. And if you do, yep. something happens. And so you make their little sausage hands press the button. Then you like ah, shake the book and make sounds. And I never forget the first time I heard Amy reading it. She did no sounds, no voices. She didn't shake the book or the bed. And I was like, actually, like, I was like, we need a divorce. (laughs) Like, this is is like being cheated upon. It's like finding out she's like fucking an accountant. You know, I was so mad. There's this. uh, You fuck a guy with a calculator on his desk? You didn't fuck a roadie for a Motley Crue? You fucked a guy with the calculator on his desk? There's this little, there's this weird, there's this little Guardians of the Galaxy book that he likes to read. And the first night he found it, I read it and I did the, vo- I did voices like I did Groot, and That's I tried to get in. him to do it with me. And Andrea, I heard Andrea read it and she was like, she just didn't do it. She just read him like, God damn it, yeah. Don't take away this magic. You failed you the bitch. audition. Or, or we have to thank them because like when we come back and read the book, it's gonna be fucking fire. That's true. We're like new. <laughs> That's true. We're it's like no one gives a shit about like Blue Lagoon until you know DJ Pop Tart remixes it, and everyone's like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> yeah, neither here nor there. But it's it's a lovely framing for a movie because when we get to the fantasy side, 
it allows them to shoot it differently. There, mm -hmm. there is almost no realism to any moment. And again, because this is a fantasy, but it's set in the real world. They reference all these real world places. Yeah. But it's clearly unreal. But like, you know, scenes that pop out in my head, like the climbing of the rope. It mm -hmm. looks so silly. Yeah. But it's perfect but it's for this kind of a yeah. tale, right? And so it's I, a, it's a, it's in a kid's mind. Exactly, it it increases the effect, right? Or I think I heard someone refer to this term. It's a force multiplier effect. Yeah, when I get sense. to the fantasy world, right? Yeah, because we know it's these two loved ones sharing this tale. I can look however the fuck it wants. Um, but yeah, so essentially, this is a tale of Buttercup and the farm boy Wesley, who I guess she falls in. Her first kink is class shaming him yeah a lot of class Fucking, shaming. yeah wipe wipe my boots farm, farm boy, boy. <laughs> farm boy wipe my saddle i must see my face and, and then, the yeah she recognizes in him just a world-class submissive <laughs> that's all he does is go as you wish no as safe words, wish. no nothing. He's like, yeah. you know, hey, shovel out that fucking horse shit. As you wish. Oh, God. She has pinching her butter nips or whatever. <laughs> That's not how the story starts. But essentially, he goes off to make his fortunes because he doesn't realize his greatest uh, sexual asset to her is a submission, right? So he goes off to make his, his fortunes, and he disappears. So she gets fucking usurped by uh, Humperdinck. Wesley has to come back and save the lady, right? This is yeah. this is the tale that we're told. But even that, like, Prince of Darkness shot, right? Where they introduce, like, Buttercup's gonna get married. Yeah. It's like, this is a day for the future. No, that's not what she says. But it's a Prince of Darkness shot. <laughs> and I love it because it feels that to my brain, right? There are these movies from my childhood, right? This never-ending story and legend. They set the actual tone for how I see and read fantasy, yeah. Right. When mm -hmm. I read a fantasy story, I don't imagine like the Lord of the Rings movies. I imagine legend. I imagine yeah. the Princess Bride. That is the aesthetic of fantasy for my life now. Same. And I, it, it's wonderful. I'm going to say that word a lot this pod. So if you're drinking, stop. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. But it is wonderful. It's but fucking wonderful. It I mean, this, it's just it's a purely joyous experience, which very I think few that's movies the thing is me. like the movie does not. The movie doesn't lean into because, like, if it was like you think about movies that, like, if it was made now, it would really probably lean into like the meta narrative, like, and it's just so innocent. I think that's just the only way I could really put it. It's just like there's something so innocent about the way the movies on the story unfolds, and it's not necessarily a meta narrative. Like the cut-ins of the kid and grandpa are so. Like like when he's like when he's um, it's like cut out of the fire swamp. That sounded good. He goes, "You sick? I'll humor you." Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> like those beats are so special and so specific, and it's like it's not like now it'd be done in this very cynical way and like almost too much like yeah. intrusion on like almost like a drunk history type thing, which mm -hmm. is fun if you want that. But like the Princess no, the Bride kid would be Wesley, so right? Special. You would yeah, you would yeah, 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 do those kind of touches. Um. But it's no, just a special movie. It, it is one of those. It's so because that's the thing. Even the circus performers that kidnap the princess, right? They they kidnap Buttercup. These are essentially the three most iconic characters in the film, right? Barnum. We've all done the Barnum. inconceivable, right? Wallace Shawn. Yep. We've all done that a hundred times, right? Yep. Uh, Inigo Montoya and Fezzik. That, I mean. Yeah. 
You could just they make. Are, I can't believe they didn't just make a movie with them. I know Andre was in exceptionally bad health at this point. Yeah. Um, he so like, the thing, the thing about Andre too, if you watch the Andre doc on HBO, mm-hmm. they talked to Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal as part of the doc. Right. And one thing they talk about, they're like, he really truly was just this gentle giant, like the most yeah. loving, sweet Robin. Uh, what's her name? Robin, Wright. Robin, Wright. At that right. point, she was just Robin, Wright. Right. Right. Back to being Robin, Robin, Wright, Robin Wright. Yeah. So. She talked about how it was raining, right? And so Andre took his gigantic fucking hand and just covered her head so she'd stay warm in the rain. And they talked to, you know, Rob Reiner tells this great story. He's like, he's like, I looked up and Andre would drink like a case of wine just to like start the day. And so he's like, yeah. I had this because his back was so bad. He couldn't do anything. So he like, had the, just the, gotten major back surgery. Yeah. The fight scene was an extra. He couldn't yep. catch Robin Wright in his arms. For fear that his back was, would go. So she was on cables. So that's why that he, shot looks so angelic, right? Yeah. But um, there's a story, and Rob Reiner's just like, he's like, I looked up, and I had this 500-pound drunken giant who's just going, hello, boss. And he's like, what a wonderful line of work that I am in. But they talked I mean, about, because Carrie Elways tells this story about how sad it was. He's like, did you ever, everyone wants to ask you about drinking with Andre. Yeah. And he's like, he tells the story. He's like, no, like that would be impossible. He's like, you know, one time you just like he fell asleep on the floor in a hotel and he's just too big to move. So it's like, that's just where. And it was like, it was sad. He was numbing the pain. So knowing the backstory of how bad it had gotten for Andre. And if you watch wrestling at that time, he couldn't work anymore. Well, right. No, like the had... fact that he physically let Hulk Hogan slam him was a big deal because he, he was in horrible health. Yeah. But the fact that all that fucking pain he's suffering. And the other thing, he didn't want to be a heel to Hulk Hogan. He was always, like, not a bad guy. Yeah. Right? And so that was hard for him to have fans booing him at the end of his career and this and that. But to do that, and then there is a pantheon of, like, most lovable characters in a movie for me, right? And, like, Fezzik and John Coffey. There's a couple. Like, John Coffey to me is, like, the most lovable character I've ever seen in a movie. Like, the one you want to save the truly most, right? There's a pantheon. But Fezzik in this movie is so fucking lovely, right? He's the best. And He's the best. It makes me cry every time I watch it because I love that man so much and I love this character so much. But, you know, that that moment when, you know, fucking Wesley's all fucked up from the machine. Yeah. And he's just like, you moved your head. Is it that great? And he goes, we have a thing to fight. He's like, does that matter? And he's like, hey, you should be proud of yourself. And I was <laughs> It just tears me up, man. It's because he's not just this. If you made this today, again, you'd get like some big brutish guy. He's yeah. just this lovely guy who happens to be a giant. When they're when they're fighting, so that, after that, he, the trial, uh, the three trials is like the three trials. Phenomenal. So after he gets through Montoya, I which thought again, I was going. Awesome. All right, we'll do it at Montoya after this. Yeah, but yeah, but it is one of my all time favorite scenes in a movie when they're fighting, and he's just, and like. He's just trying to choke him, and they just have this very gentlemanly conversation. Yeah. Like, again, when you fight six movie... minutes, you have different moves. <laughs> I know <laughs> why I'm why struggling movie... with you. <laughs> That's why this movie is so special, because, like, it is just innocence. Like, it's so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, he, I love it. in this movie, you know, you are the Brute Squad. I'm on the Brute Squad. You are the Brute I'm Squad. I'm on the Brute Squad. Uh, I, I just love him. Like unab- <laughs> like him trying to like plant Wesley on the suit of armor so he can go and open the door for Anigo. 
And then he does it, and he just, like, motions for him to go in like he's a valet and then runs back to get – and he's just like, oh. It's – he's so – I'm so glad that he got to have this as part of his legacy. Yeah. I, I, I think mean, you know, I, this will reach – the, the icon of is, him as a wrestler is pop culture for sure, but yeah. this will help keep him in this, a form that we him, all love. This is a child – this is something that everyone can see. Yeah. Like, there's uh, – wrestling is cool for a certain amount of the population this there's no way you can't see the princess bride and not remember fezzik yeah Fezzik is in your brain no even him like trying to like bring back anigo when he's on his you know drunk um i just i love him and it it means a lot to me um and on a bad day i want to spend time with fezzik right like it, it really has come to attach itself to my happy place um, so I'm, I'm just glad that existed for him, especially with how bad of health he was in, Yeah, you know, could have gone a different way. I'm glad that he got this in his career. Um, now, Anigo Montoya, just the absolute goddamn MVP of the movie. I, I mean, it's love Tinkin is unbelievable. He's like, so good. He's so good. He's never not good. Mandy Patinkin's unbelievable. Like it's so, it's so cool to watch. Yeah. He to me is one of the funnest in the movie right his you know his guy again but he has this gentlemanly honorable thing Mm -hmm. him and uh wesley's duel is just awesome it's a really fun throwback to like golden era hollywood scene yeah and this is like someone was telling me i think it was weinman right you guys have heard weinman on the pod he told me they had like an armorer or a sword master like go through movies and say what had the most realistic sword fight and it was this scene from Princess Bride. They had his oh, one shit. of the most accurate awesome. fight scenes in a. I guess him and a Carrie Elwes really like put the time in, and like I mean, really got ready for this. So I, I thought that was a cool tidbit. I mean, Again, that, that second hand it might because, be horseshit, but well, I mean, but that makes sense too because like this is they're this fighting is with 19... those little those little weenie swords. So yeah, maybe yeah, rape rapiers, <laughs> rapiers fencing. Yeah. yeah, they're not fencing like, swords exactly, but they're little like that. They were not brute force swords. But like this is 1980s Mandy Patinkin, who like just let's see, he's been he won an he won a Tony for Evita, and then he won a Tony for Sundays in the Park with George, and he's done Yentl and Ragtime at this point. So like. This is like his. This is like the, probably the biggest movie he's done today. This is the biggest like stage he's had. This, uh, when, quote, when he stage he's when had his career sure. is over, this is the movie that this is, is the a thing he'll be number most, one most billing. Yeah, yeah. I when mean, it's beautiful. Mental, yeah. But not, I mean, he has that wonderful little talk, right? Where it's like you know, this man came and commissioned a sword. He killed my father. I was eleven. I tried to take him out. I couldn't. I committed my life to learning fencing. Right. The, the moments when we come back to him and he's lost and he's just drunk, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, he, you know, he's like, we need the man in black, right? Like, I know where this six-fingered fuck is. Yeah. Um, you, You're really pulling for that, right? You And he again, he's so charming because he, he's like, we have the man in black, right? And, you know, the man in black's all fucked up and can't do anything. But he still is believing. When he finally gets his showdown with Count Rogan. Yeah. Awesome. When the first time he says the line and they get so fucking close on his face, um, it's euphoric. Right? And then it's, you know, of course Rogan, you know, dirty shots him. And you think he's done, right? He's like, Father, I have failed you. I'm sorry. And it's gut wrenching, right? Well then he stands up and it's almost as if his arm is divinely defending the sword strikes. 
when he just keeps repeating, you know. Hello, my name is Inamotoya. You killed my father. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Is he just keeps repeating that as he's getting more and more emboldened in the sword fight? Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite things in a movie. Because then he goes, you know, offer me money. Offer me power. And he's like, you know, anything, anything you want. And he goes, I, I want, want my father, father back, back, you son, son of, of a bitch. Oh, I mean, come on, dude. It's so yes. fucking righteous. Yes. Yeah, it, it's it's like a bring the house down moment. And, I mean, Mandy Patinkin just fucking crushes this role. To me, yes. he is the, if I was to show someone, like, do you like Princess Bride? The scene would almost assuredly have him and Fezzik in it. Yeah. Um, oh, no, 1,000%. There's no way you could watch it without. There's yeah. no way. There this are some movie people that might sold. just get their fill from Wesley and Buttercup, but I think these two are the the backbone of the movie. I mean, I it think this is really this is the really fascinating thing about the Princess Bride and like what makes the movie special is like you have these exceptionally looking people, exceptional looking people as the two leads of this fantasy story. Yeah, but I always it, forget it, Carrie Elwes was so fucking beautiful. Fucking ridiculously like, handsome. Like, insanely was, handsome. I was watching it last night with Andrea, and I was Robin like, Robin Wright, Jesus too, Christ. but... Yeah, but I was watching it last night with Andrea, and I was like, Jesus Christ, and she's like, what? And I'm like, Carrie Elwes is so fucking hot. Holy shit. Yeah, he made a weird choice, because <laughs> I think a lot of people my age and younger, it was like he was the guy in Saw. Yeah. Right? It's, no, totally. it's like... Yeah, I think that was a lot of people's first. And, like, you go back to this, you're like, Jesus Christ, no wonder the farm boy was getting WAP everywhere. <laughs> he could be covered in whatever he wants, dude. The shine is oh, there. Dude, absolutely. I mean, again, every time he looks at the camera, as you wish, you're like, oh, jeez. Nips get a little vapors. hard. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, please do that. Do declare. <laughs> oh, the vapors. <laughs> dude, dude, pray tell. Pray tell. Pray tell. What do I wish? Pray tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I felt it. I felt it. Yeah. Palpable energy. But, but like as hot as him and Robin Wright are, it is about it is about Vizzini, Fezzik, Ineo Montoya. Like these are the characters that we like. Oh, Miracle remember. Max, like the side characters. Miracle are Max. So these good. side characters are unbelievable. Like, I think that's the power of this story too, is that Rob Reiner, having read the source material, Rob Reiner knew I can't just make this about two hot people running through this fake country. Like it's like it's got to be about these great characters that like fill it's got the this world classic D and D adventure. Absolutely, the difference is Absolutely. that in a real D and D game, everyone would be raping and pillaging and murdering. That's how that's the murder hobo thing, right? Every group sure, eventually descends into criminals. But yeah, it's got this great mix of characters and vibe. And again, it's everyone gets this really rewarding payoff. It feels like. Uh, yeah, everybody has a happy ending, except for yeah. the bad guys. Bad guys don't, but that's, yeah. that's expected. But even the bad guys, like, the they, way, don't, they don't kill Humperdinck, right? They don't. No. They do kill Count Rogan. He kind of had to go. He was the one that could not survive yeah. after Count Rogan did. had to go because he had already killed. Very important. Yeah, so Humperdinck like, just we, gets ashamed and, uh, you know, put away. Yeah. But I just think about a lot of these moments, Another right? Key like casting Chris Sarandon, by the way. Oh, he's fucking great as Humperdinck. He's so yeah. fucking good and duplicitous. Um, wonderful fucking performance by him as Humperdinck. I knew you were bluffing. See, I do. Oh, oh I do. I was just saying. <laughs> 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 it's so good. Um, couple other things we got to get to. The creature work. Surprisingly oh, fun creature work. 
that rat scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, oh that and the eels. God. The eels are really grotesque looking. Eels were fucking gross. Yeah. So that was cool. The shrieking but, eels and then the uh, what the uh, rodents of unusual size. What about the ruts? <laughs> or the routes? The rodents of unusual size? I think they're a myth. And he just gets like a spear. But yeah, they're nasty looking, man. Dude, um, yeah, but again, that was some that's a thing. Shit. As a young person, that was my link in, was Andre the Giant and Creatures. I loved anything with the, you know, creature suit kind of vibe. Every movie yeah. like that I loved. So mm -hmm. I thought that was a really fun addition. The Fire Swamp in general is just fucking fun. Fire Swamp's a great bit. Right? Yeah, the so. the uh, the quicksand and the, the t -t 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 fires. Yeah. Um, so the creature work was a, a nice touch. All right, now we got to kind of talk about, we got to wax poetic about Wesley and Buttercup. The, oh, the grandiose I mean, romance of it, the writing of this is so fucking sharp. The as you wish, right? And she goes, but you were dead. And he goes, ah, death can't stand in the way of something like true love. Right. Um, again, other than him fucking for sure winding up to give her the powder. <laughs> so perfect. So perfect, it's, right? There's this really, and you know, I think what's great is like you, like the way. Oh, the what did she say? She said to him when she was the Dread Pirate, she's like, "You killed me, or you killed my love." He goes, "Oh, another yeah. spoiled rich boy." She goes, "No, he was poor and perfect." Dot dot dot, and submissive as shit. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I love about the Wesley and Buttercup thing is. The way it's framed in the beginning, you're like, oh, wow. It is, yeah, there's like this weird kink shame, kink of class shaming and that kind of shit. When he comes back. Wash my as, buttocks. Wash when it. he comes back as the dread pirate. Like, is there no finer a scene, right, love recognizing love, than when she like pushes him down that hill? Right. And he says, as you wish, I'm like, as you wish. And she goes, win. Wesley, and throws herself like, down. Love, what like, that is some fucking. <laughs> Prime right. Well, he slides over to her. And what is he? He's Gold. like, "Are you alive?" <laughs> and then they just like embrace a kiss. Um, it's fucking great, man. But again, that's what he talks about. And he's like, "Ah, it doesn't matter. You know, we'll, we'll always be all right because we have each other." Yeah. And she offers him up, right? Because she doesn't, uh, you know, want him to get killed. He goes to the pit of the despair, right? Mm -hmm. Um. But I love that thing, right? Where she's just like, "I will never." fail to believe again i will always believe so even after she gives him over to humperdinck on some level i think she knows that he's gonna die right because she has these nightmares about yo the queen of refuse yeah. right and then she goes to chris Randy. he's like oh just please consider me as an alternative to suicide jeez <laughs> she knows that he didn't send the fucking notes right she's hip to his bullshit but because of what she learned that day, she knows that Wesley will come no matter what. Not death, not anything will stop it. What we learn in the movie, though, is that he's going to die but a year later because he's lost 51 years off the back end. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not if great. science is to be believed, right, that they sucked the life out of this guy. So she better have some other attractive farm boys on standby. But that's not as romantic. Neither here nor there. Yeah. But I love her there. just fully believing, right? And when he comes to save her and he's, like, still fucking paralyzed, uh, you know, it's it's just funny, right? I love her floating into Fezzik's arms and them riding off. That last shot with them, like, fully behind, like, the fucking 
trashy dime store novel background, just the sun and everything behind them perfectly. And even mm-hmm. Fred Savage is like, it's all right. I want to hear this one. I want to hear this. Part. Yeah. Now he's and, into Mailwage. And then you see that, see that Peter Falk. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, son. Me too. I, Peter Falk is The so amount funny. of times I've hit it to this page exactly, I feel ya, boy. <laughs> the amount of times I've read it to a broad and gotten laid, unbelievable. Yeah, it's... That is not what Peter Falk sounds like, but... <laughs> hey, yo. I, I mean, hey, it'll get paid for impressions, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, no, it's just... They are kind of this perfect bread and butter for the movie to where then we can layer all this other fun stuff yeah. on. You know, we They're didn't talk, we didn't talk about Vizzini at all. We forgot about him and the three like, heads. We didn't, but to be honest with you, like, here's the thing about Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn is so iconic. Like, right. what can we say that would have improved on we what used is our, like, to, When we were young, we played a lot of board games. Yeah. We would use his line all the fucking time to insult each other. Whenever, like, you know, even if you were playing Monopoly, right, and someone bought, like, the third train track, we'd be like, you've made the classic blunder. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Never start a land war in Asia. We used to say that shit all the time. Uh, but he is that scene with the poison. I love that man. It's, that is so fucking great. It's one of my favorite. Like it's one of those. So you made your decision. Think, I'm just getting started. I think that that might be the first scene I ever saw of this movie because that is the one that I recall the most. Not just because it's most, I probably most iconic, but like that scene probably was the first thing i saw from this movie like walking into like a tv viewing of it because most of us saw this stuff when it was like popped up on tv right so i think that was the first time i saw yeah this. he's fucking awesome uh yeah. you know billy crystal is miracle max awesome i mean this is the thing we could just go through every single actor and yeah. say they were there's awesome nothing christopher there's nothing guest about, awesome yeah everybody is perfectly cast perfectly like it's a pitch perfect thing like it is one of the rare occasions we've watched movies, really, and been like, need we say anything other than, like, again, like, right before this, I was like, is this like a five-minute pod of, like, it was great. Yeah. That's the Isn't end. that about <laughs> damn near as perfect? I mean, I guess if you don't have the attachment to, like, the younger you. Perhaps. But if you see it now, think... I can see, like, a little bit of cynicism sliding in. But, but even that, even right? Feel... Take out the cheesiness of the fantasy, right? Sure. To sure. your point, this is Rob Reiner making a movie that is about a father sharing stories with his son that comes from a very personal place for him, clearly. Yeah. We have all can relate to a parent sharing a story with us or wanting to share that with a loved one, you know, grandparent, whoever. Yeah. Right? It is this, we just want to share something that reminds ourselves of the good things in life, the magical things in life, right? Right. And so... I do hope that this movie is cynic proof. I mean, nothing is, right? I'm sure there's someone out there. If you went on Letterboxd, someone rips into this movie. Sure. Right? And if I ever met them, I would physic them. (laughs) Right? I would show no sportsmanship, and I would physic a rocket. I would straight up Montoya their ass, for sure. Me and Alex will show up, and you'll have to beat us. And we'll have to find a smart person to be in Vicini. But... (laughs) Somebody, I don't know. Yeah. We'll find someone smart who can do that kind of shit. But yeah, I'm sure my I, kid. I'm sure my kid could be Vicini. Yeah. <laughs> Our kids are smarter am, than us. It'll be a three-headed Vicini <laughs> for sure, one thousand percent. But yeah, I I do think for most people, it is a disarming yeah. invitation to remember the good things. Yeah, um, I think hopefully that, that's what it is I for me. It, it's the, like some people do the warm bath, man. This is like a warm bath for me. Yeah. 
I think this is the thing is you have to let that it is just it's a it's a fantasy story. And I think that's a lot of the time when you get older, it's harder to watch movies like this that are good natured because yeah. you're trying to find the grime, you're trying to find the dirt, you know, because we live in a pretty dirty world sometimes. I think what's really nice about The Princess Bride is watching this movie. And I watching and I thought about this because we watched it last night. And I thought about it last night. I was like, I don't think this is nostalgia talking. Like, this movie is legitimately just a wonderful movie because right. it's very good and very well made. And like I said at the beginning of the pod, timeless. Like mm-hmm. there is not a lot in this movie that doesn't aid that doesn't just stay in its pocket. It's just it's just a beautiful moment in time, man. That's all. Yeah. It just says wonderful moment after moment after more moment with these fucking wonderful performances that are inviting you to be part of the troupe. Right? And again, yeah, for yeah. me, there yeah. there is some extra, like, I will always be that attached to Fezzik. Mm-hmm. You know, like, these things just matter to me a lot. But I think if you're a younger or newer viewer, my hope is, is that the magic is not lost upon you. Yeah. Right? And like Peter Falk said, right, it's a movie you want to have your grandpa read you again. And he'll say, as you wish. And I, I my hope is, is that. It's still transportative like that, which I, I think it is, man. My I kids, like my kids watched night, it with I'll me, and I had to finish it because we were doing the pod right when Hunter was at school. And he came back, and I was like, hey, maybe we could watch a movie tonight. And he goes, well, yeah, we got Princess Bride. I'm like, oh, I finished it. And he goes, what? He was fucking oh, mad wow. at me. See, there it is, So man. today, after this, I'm going to go watch the end of Princess, because we ended right <laughs> at the fire swamp, and he was furious at me. Oh, so dude, yeah. hopefully, of the things I have offered them from my childhood, I think this is one that'll stick. That's um, that's heartwarming. See, that makes me right. feel very good. That's See, I don't want a Willow that. thing. I remember the first time I showed him Willow, and they're like, "I don't get it." And I legitimately was like, "Dad's got to go get a pack of cigarettes." <laughs> like I was this close. My own sons don't appreciate Willow. <laughs> we tried to watch that TV show, but I was like, "I really don't want to ruin Willow for them," so we turned it yeah, off yeah. after two episodes. <laughs> but neither here nor there. I think Princess Bride um, will be the fairy tale story for us for ages. So that's Indeed. it. Welcome to the month of Amour, right? Just a little soft, buttery kiss for your ears every week of February. Uh, Every week of February. Yeah, Alex, what's on deck? What are we talking about next week? See, next week we are talking about, oh, man, what are the ones we, we we already went over this last week. Yes, so we have uh, Big Fish. Big Fish. We have The Notebook. And we have Pride and Prejudice. That, those so are I the think we're doing. So I think we're doing Pride and I think we do Pride and Prejudice next week. Fair enough. Big Fish the week after that, and then we end the month with Le Notebook. Le Notebook, man. I, it's actually yeah. I've not been figured. I've not figured out how to program the Notebook properly into this into this pod yet. <laughs> and this was like the moment. And I'm like, I think there we're is a have real to. like onslaught of Nicholas Sparks era that. We all remember. So it'll be interesting yeah. to go back, uh, hopefully without the venom. So that's the one that's real nostalgia for me. <laughs> so that's the month of Amour. If you want more awesome episodes that aren't Amourish, go over to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. We have uh, some exclusive episodes over there, commentaries, mini series. We work really hard to make it worth your time to support the show. So if you would be so kind, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod for more awesome shenanigans. So make sure to go do that. Subscribe to the YouTube Film Alchemist. Email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. 
We're on all the socials you're on. We would appreciate it if you would uh, share everything, follow all that kind of stuff. Make sure you leave five-star ratings and reviews wherever you are. And I didn't do it at the start. I forgot. But we're going to ask you our, our 2023 plea. If you enjoy what we're doing here, and you obviously have other people in your life who love movies, right? Send one of them a text with an episode, right? Email them, DM them, something. Tell them to come check out just one episode of the show, and we'll take it from there, guys. We are trying to uh, spread the word this year. Ponzi scheme the shit out of this thing so we can go live in a far-off land. Yeah, give us a, right? give us our made-off. Yeah, and whip rocks at each other. That's the life we're trying to We'll get away with it. <laughs> yeah. So that's it, guys. Share the episode with someone uh, that you cherish, please. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Diandino. Bye! <laughs>